Good morning. Too much stuff today. Um, actually, first thing, I'm Pastor Chris, the lead pastor here at New Life. We're so glad that you're here today. We had a gift for you when you came in. We we're starting a new series, as you can see, called Inside Out. We're going to be talking about emotions. And on your seat was a booklet called Overcoming Worry. It's by the people that make our daily bread. And we thought this was a, a very good book to take home, a message. You, I mean, obviously, you could you know, listen to it, re-listen to it on the New Life app or online, or you could get the message that's printed out and take it home with you. But this is something you can take and keep, put in your Bible. And it, it talks specifically about one person's journey uh, from anxiety and worry uh, to trust in Jesus. And that's what we're going to be talking about this morning um, as we start this new series. Well, back in June, actually the 19th of 2015, Disney Pixar came out with a movie. It was called Inside Out. And in that movie, uh, it traced the emotions of a little girl from the time she was born until she was 12. Her name was Riley. And it was primarily focusing on the one year of her life, her year 11, when the family had this traumatic move from Wisconsin to San Francisco. And the, the movie takes place mostly inside of Riley's mind. And it takes place with these five people. I guess, you would, I guess they're not really people. They're emotions. That they are the star of the show. And it's joy, sadness, anger, fear, and disgust. And every time Riley does something, and one of those emotions comes out, there's a memory established with it. And the memories have these little balls of different colors based on whether joy, for instance, gold, sadness, blue, Anger, red, sort of stereotypical colors, you might think. Fear, purple. I'm not really down with that because purple is my favorite color. And then um, the last one was green for disgust. Anyway, Riley is going through this very difficult time. And Joy, who is the star of all the emotions because she's the one in charge of keeping Riley happy, tries to keep Riley happy during this difficult time. And what happens is Sadness, who had always been in the background, sort of comes to the foreground and starts messing with Riley's core memories. And this, uh, in, a, in a particular critical moment in the movie, uh, sadness and joy get sucked into um, Riley's long-term memory, and uh, they have to figure out how to get back before anger, fear, and disgust, uh, who are now at the control center of Riley's life, mess up her life irreparably. And so we have this um, dangerous, circuitous journey for joy and sadness to get back to the control center. And as it's going, joy discovers something. She discovers that sadness actually has an important part to play in Riley's life. And so sadness isn't always bad. And at the very end, when they're trying to make this new decision, Joy steps back and lets sadness come in and make this important decision. So the idea that the movie ends with is that sadness isn't always bad, that joy isn't always the way it's supposed to be, and that joy and sadness can come together. And if you are old enough to remember Cabbage Patch Dolls, you already knew this because in the Cabbage Patch books, they talked about being happy-sad. Happy-sad is when something has both of those emotions going on at the same time. Well, the series we're going to be dealing with uh, actually comes out of that movie sort of caused us, Pastor Brad and Pastor Mark and I, when we got to bed together a couple months ago to plan September through August of next year in the message series, um, so I don't remember who it was, one of us said, wouldn't it be cool to kick off the fall with a series on emotions because they play such a crucial role in our lives. And so that's what we're doing. These five weeks, we're going to be talking about emotions. And the theme of this series is responding to emotions God's way. 
We want to respond to emotions God's way, not the natural way that we all tend to. You know, when we come out of our mother's womb, we have this natural tendency, and all of us are different, but we use our emotions in a natural kind of way. And what we're going to be talking about during this series is how can we overcome our natural tendency to let our emotions rule our lives and to live in the fruit of the Spirit. But before we start the series, what we need to ask ourselves is this. Did Pixar get it right when they said we have five emotions? You know, joy, which we would consider a positive emotion most of the time. And then the other four are usually considered negative. But as we see, they can, there's really no positive or negative to emotions. There just are. But it's, you know, as we said, uh, sadness, fear, anger, and disgust. So are those the only five? When I want to know the answer to a question, believe it or not, what I always do is I ask my Bible. And I can do that because I have a Bible program called Word Search. And what I did was I chose the six um, English translations that I usually use. And I had it do a word check for the word emotion and emotions. And in those six English translations, guess how many times the word emotion or emotions came up? Any guesses? Zero is the right answer. It doesn't occur. The word emotion, emotions doesn't occur in the Bible. Then I thought, wait a minute. We often think of emotions and feelings as the same thing. So I put the word feeling in. I tried feelings. Four, four hits, if you will. And those four came up, two in the book of Numbers and two in the book of Hebrews. In the book of Numbers, the, the, the emotion was jealousy. In the book of Hebrews, the emotion was guilt. And that's when it hit me. It hit me that the Bible doesn't use the word emotions, but it refers to many emotions by their name. It refers to pride, jealousy, wrath, shame, guilt, and many more. Even Pixar actually has figured that out. Because Inside Out, number two, is supposed to be coming out, possibly in 2021, possibly in 2022. And when it comes out, Riley is going to have a whole bunch of more emotions. Here's here's the, the additional ones that are going to be in there. Pride, laughter, surprise, frustration, passion, shame, wrath, calm, jealousy, and trust. So apparently the writers of Pixar have been reading their Bibles. <laughs> probably not. I'm guessing what it really did is they probably found Robert Plutchik's theory that states that we have eight basic emotions and there are shades of those emotions that make 24 emotions. And look at that. It's called Plutchik's Wheel of Emotion. And uh, if you look, joy is at the very top, the yellow one. They chose yellow, sort of gold. But anyway, serenity and ecstasy are the extremes of joy, and uh, whether it's like a mild joy or a great joy. And then you could go around the thing, and you see these various ones. Fear made the list, you know, anger made the list, as we would expect. So you can take that off the screen. But the point is that we have all of these emotions inside of us. And what we're going to do during this series is we're going to talk about them and we're going to see how the Holy Spirit and specifically the fruit of the Spirit can overcome the tendency of those emotions to take us down paths where we don't want to be going. So the take-home point for this morning does not have to do with an aspect of the fruit of the Spirit, but the next four weeks it will. Today's take-home point is actually very simple and it talks about Jesus And for those of you who are new or watching online for the first time, the take-home point is the one point that I'll be making in the message that we want to take home with us, reflect on it, pray about it, and live it out in the week ahead. And so here it is. Trusting Jesus removes anxiety. So anxiety is what we're going to talk about today. Next week will be anger and then bitterness. We're going to talk about actually six different emotions during the five weeks. And today's one is anxiety. And what we find as we live our lives... (laughs) is that emotions are natural. Emotions are natural, 
And the fruit of the Spirit is supernatural. So today we're going to be talking, as I said, about trusting Jesus. Now, trust is not an aspect of the fruit of the Spirit, but it is supernatural the way we're using it today. And we'll see that as we go through the message and look into the Scripture. But it's the supernatural power of God through the Holy Spirit who, who is given to every person who trusts Jesus as Savior and Lord. In fact, Jesus called it being born again when we have this new life that Jesus gives us. And he says, Jesus said, it's a spiritual life. And so the Holy Spirit comes in. And what we're going to be talking about is how we let the Holy Spirit rule inside of us instead of these emotions. The reason it's called inside out is because these things are on the inside and they will come out. And what comes out depends on whether the Holy Spirit's in control or whether it's our you know, natural selves that are in control. So if we're going to get the best of our emotions, the Apostle Paul tells us something extremely important about this struggle that's going on inside of us. In Galatians chapter 5, starts in verse 16. If you have your Bible or Bible app, you might want to turn there. It will also be up on the screen. And uh, before we do that, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that you love us, that you have given us emotions, and they're there to be used to your glory. And we pray today that as we dig into uh, this emotion of anxiety, and then as we continue through this series, that you will, by your Holy Spirit, speak into each of our lives the truth that we need so that we can live our lives to your glory and honor, and so we can live effectively here on the earth. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So in Galatians 5.16 and following, the Apostle Paul writes this. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other, so you are not free to carry out your good intentions. These verses are so important because they show us what's happening. Even after we trust Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord, the sinful nature, some translations will say the flesh, it's still inside of us. Chris Marshall is still Chris Marshall, and there's still some of that sinful nature and, and those emotions that I was born with, they're still in there. But now the Holy Spirit's in there, and as I've shown using my hands many times, if the Holy Spirit is this hand and Chris Marshall and his sinful nature is this hand, we're in a war. That's what it says. They're struggling back and forth. Now, when you think about it for a moment, you think, wait a minute, the Holy Spirit's fighting against Chris Marshall. <laughs> That's not really much of a contest, right? If you were a betting person, you would bet on the Holy Spirit. But the thing is, the Holy Spirit doesn't force us. It's not like the, it's a wrestling match and, and, you know, and the referee blows the whistle and boom, I'm pinned because the Holy Spirit is so much more powerful than I am. It is a wrestling match. But the wrestling match is all over here on this side. The wrestling match is whether I will assert my sinful nature or whether I will let the Holy Spirit, you know, whether I will submit to the Holy Spirit's leadership and then I live in the fruit of the Spirit. That's really what this whole series is going to be about. And today, as I said, we're going to talk about anxiety. And anxiety can be defined this way. It's a feeling of worry or nervousness or unease, typically about an imminent event or something with an uncertain outcome. So is it sinful to feel worry, to, to feel you know, uneasy, to feel nervous about future events where you don't know the outcome. Well, not necessarily, but Jesus told us don't. Jesus told us don't worry, don't be anxious. The Apostle Paul, in his letter to the Philippians, said, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and thanksgiving. It goes on and talks about how we can overcome worry through the power of God's presence in our lives. 
And what we're going to look at is that if we don't allow the Holy Spirit to lead in our lives when it comes to anxiety, anxiety can lead us to isolate ourselves. And in that state of isolation, we can go down a path of depression and we can go down a path of many different Many different things that ultimately become evil. We're going to look at some of those today. Not always, but it can go in that direction. And that's why we want to let the power of God change us from the inside out. So that's not how we live our lives. So as the Apostle Paul was showing us this important connection between the Holy Spirit's direction in our lives and in overcoming you know, the sinful nature, he sort of takes a little bit of a quick detour about the law of Moses. And this is what he says. But when you are directed by the Spirit, you are not under obligation to the law of Moses. So what does the law of Moses have to do with the Holy Spirit, this battle that's going on between the Holy Spirit and our sinful nature, our emotions? It has everything to do with it. Because the law was given to the people of Israel as a guide to help them to live in the parameters that God had established. And what Paul was saying is, if we let the Holy Spirit lead in our lives on the inside, we don't need the law. We don't need the law of Moses. We don't need American law. We don't need any law because we will do what's right if the Holy Spirit is leading our lives because we will be living out of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. But I'm getting a little ahead of myself here because before he tells us about the fruit of the Spirit, he tells us about the sins of the, or the deeds of the sinful nature. Let's look what he says. It's starting in verse 19. It says, When you follow the desires of your sinful nature... The results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. So as we look at this list, what we see is there are actions and emotions. See, the actions of the flesh are, are, and some are actually a bit of both, but The actions are sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasure, idolatry, sorcery, quarreling, dissension, division, drunkenness, wild parties, other sins like these. Those are the actions, sinful things that we do. But interspersed in the list are some emotions, outbursts of anger, jealousy, hostility, selfish ambition, envy. And we might see an action coming out of those emotions, particularly outbursts of anger. But sometimes we can hold all of those things on the inside. And that's, that fight is going on inside, and that's why the series is called Inside Out, because we want to make sure that what's on the inside is the Holy Spirit, and what comes out is the result of the Holy Spirit's power and presence, and so that's what we read in the next couple of verses. It says, but the Holy Spirit, such a powerful, you know, but is a very important word in the, in the Bible. Sometimes it turn, tends to good, sometimes it tends to bad, but in this case, it tends to good. Here's what we ordinarily do in our sinful nature, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. So when the Holy Spirit is leading us, There are nine behaviors, nine facets of the fruit of the Spirit. And this is a minor thing, but an important thing. There aren't nine fruits of the Spirit. There's one fruit of the Spirit, and it has nine facets. And so when the Holy Spirit works in our lives, He produces all nine facets of that fruit. When He's working, we get all nine. I would say over the years, the 34-plus years I've been a pastor, the second most commonly asked prayer from people... that people ask me if I'll pray for. The first most is for healing. The second most is, 
will you pray that God will give me patience? And I always say, oh, well, let's wait a little while. <laughs> Just kidding. No, I, I say no. When people say, will you pray for God to give me patience, I just say no. What I will pray for is for God to fill you with the Holy Spirit. Because when you have the Holy Spirit, what happens is you don't just get patience, but you get love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Why would you just want patience when all nine of those things are available in our lives? So... Paul follows this statement about the fruit of the Spirit with a very crucial additional statement. He says, those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. So why would Paul write that? Because we only get the fruit of the Spirit when Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior in our lives. Lord means he's the owner, he's the master. He has come in and taken control of our lives by the Holy Spirit's presence. And he is Savior, which means he sa saves us from this sinful nature and, and the emotions that are those negative lists of emotions in our lives. When we do what? When we let him lead. And when we let him lead, we have all that stuff nailed to the cross. And so this is the, the important truth. We get to leave our sinful passions and desires, and we could add emotions on the cross when we live in the power of the Holy Spirit. I've said this so often over the years. I'm no better as a person than I was when I was five years old and I tried to shoot my mother with a shotgun, not a toy shotgun, a 16-gauge shotgun, because she had sent me to bed without dinner. Um, so the statement is true. I'm no different. Inside, my sinful nature hasn't changed at all in those 56 years. But what has changed is once Jesus Christ became Lord and Savior in my life when I was 12 years old, the Holy Spirit has started to work in my life. And it's true for you too. When Jesus Christ becomes Lord and Savior in your life, what happens is he starts to work in our lives. And as we let him more and more and more, we become more and more like Jesus. Now, nobody's ever done that perfectly. But as we live our lives and we let the Holy Spirit lead and the fruit of the Spirit comes out, instead of those other things, we produce less of those sinful nature behaviors in our lives, and that's the goal of our lives. So with that background, we're going to move to today's focus scripture, which actually comes to us from the Gospel of John. It's in John 14, and it happens less than 24 hours before Jesus was crucified. And here's what Jesus said. Don't let your hearts be troubled. He's talking to the 12 disciples. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and trust also in me. What we could, how we could paraphrase that statement is very simple. Don't be anxious, trust me. Jesus said, don't be anxious, trust me. Would you say that with me? Don't be anxious, trust me. Okay, so Jesus is going to be executed the next day. None of the 12 disciples know that. As he's talking, as he's saying these words, what he is doing is he's giving them the means to overcome the anxiety that's going to come. And it's not just going to be anxiety because they're going to watch Jesus get arrested. They're going to watch him put on trial, convicted, crucified, and put into a tomb. It's going to be the most hopeless moment of their lives. It's going to be the darkest moment of their lives. And what Jesus is doing is he's preparing them for it. He has already told them time and time again, I am going to be arrested. I'm going to be put on trial. I'm going to be convicted. I'm going to be, put in, I'm going to be crucified. And then I'm going to be put in a tomb. But don't worry, I'm going to come back to life. But they didn't get that. And so what he's doing now is he's saying, look, don't be anxious. When, the, when what happens happens in your life, don't be anxious. Trust me. And 
I don't know about you, but there have been times in my life when I already know that Jesus not only died on the cross, but he rose from the dead. He went back to heaven and he has sent his Holy Spirit to his church. And so I have the Holy Spirit in my life. But even, even though I know all those things, there are still times when I get anxious. There are times when I forget that when Jesus hasn't answered my prayer when I wanted him to. Or maybe he hasn't answered the prayer at all. Maybe I'm going through a difficult time. And I say, well, yeah, I know I'm supposed to trust him. I'm not supposed to be anxious. But, but it's easier said than done. And you might be there right now. You might be in a time in your life when it just seems so overwhelming. That it doesn't seem like there's any hope for the future. And that's where the disciples were, but they didn't know it. The next day, they would know it. And so Jesus continues. There's more than enough room in my father's home. If this were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? When everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am. And you know the way to where I'm going. Many of us have heard those words. And and often they're read at a funeral because we've lost a loved one, person has died to this life. And, and we know that Jesus promised that when we follow him, that after this life, we get to be with him forever. And this passage is the clearest demonstration of that. He said, I'm going to die. I'm going to rise again. I'm going to go to heaven. I'm going to prepare a place and I'm going to come back for you. And, and, and Jesus said that to the, the disciples. And then he said, and you know the way to where I'm going. And Thomas raises his hand. Thomas raises his hand. He says, we don't know, Lord. We do not know. No, we do not know where you're going. We have no idea where you're going, so how can we know the way? And I've always, 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 always found comfort in those words. Because they were with Jesus every day for three years. Every day for three years, they watched Jesus. They listened to his teaching. They watched him heal sick people, even raise dead people. Cast demons out of people. And yet when Jesus said, I'm going to die, I'm going to rise again, I'm going to go to heaven, I'm going to come back. You know how I'm going to do it. You know where I'm going. You know the way. Thomas was like, no, don't get it. Don't have any idea what you're talking about right now. Could you be more specific? And we're there too sometimes, right? Sometimes we know that Jesus died and rose for us, and we know that he's inside of us, and we know the Holy Spirit's there, but we still have that doubt. And, and Jesus didn't abandon these guys whenever they didn't get a clue, have a clue, and he doesn't abandon us when we don't have a clue. Here's what he says next. Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. If you had really known me, you would know who my Father is. From now on, you do know him, and you have seen him. So everyone who has trusted Jesus as Savior and Lord knows these words. Every Christian, every follower of Jesus has heard these words. We know these words. We believe these words. If you have not yet trusted Jesus as Savior and Lord in your life, these are the words that show us why we should trust him. When Jesus says, trust me, the reason he says, trust me, is because he's the way. He's the truth, and he's the life. No one can come to God the Father except through Jesus the Son. And so we can trust him because of who he is. And that's what he's saying right then and there. And when we see Jesus' life in the Gospels, we are seeing God at work. And the apostles saw that for three years, every single day. Now this time, it's Philip's turn. To raise his hand. He says, Lord, show us the Father and we will be satisfied. So the word that the New Living Translation uses for trust in verse 1 is exactly the same word in Greek that's used for believe and have faith in. So trust, believe, have faith in. It's all the same word. And so what Jesus is saying is, believe in me, trust me, have faith in me. 
because of who I am. And Philip says, I'm really still not quite sure who you are. Could you show us the Father? Could you show us God the Father? If you did that, that would be enough for us. And now Jesus replies to Philip, Have I been with you all this time, Philip, and yet you still don't know what, who I am? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. So why are you asking me to show him to you? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words I speak are not my own, but my Father who lives in me does his work through me. Just believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Or at least believe because of the work you have seen me do. In the end, Jesus appeals to his works, to his miracles as proof that you should believe in him. His proof to Philip and Thomas and all the apostles that he is who he says he is, is that he has raised dead people, that he has healed blind people, that he has cast demons out of people, that he's walked on water, that he's calmed storms. All of those things demonstrate that the Father's in him, he's in the Father, and if you've seen him, you've seen the Father. And so he's saying to Philip, do you get it now? Look at the miracles. If you don't believe for any other reason, believe because of the miracles. Now here's a very, very important thing for us when we're going through anxiety or any emotion that's keeping us from living a, a full life. If we're going to trust Jesus, we have to believe he is who he says he is. There's no point of trusting Jesus if he isn't the Son of God. There's no point of trusting Jesus if he is not the way, the truth, and the life. Because if he isn't who he says he is, then in our time of anxiety, in our time of anger, in our time of whatever emotion it is, he can't do anything. But if he is who he says he is, then our lives are radically different. It starts small and it grows throughout our lives. And over time, all of those emotions that can drag us down the wrong path have not, no power when we are trusting Jesus and living in the power of the Holy Spirit. So how do we know that we do trust him? Because at the end of the day, Philip and Thomas and all the rest, they still had their... Jesus didn't say, by this I am proving that I am the Son of God. He said, by this you can believe. Faith. There's an amount of trust that's required. So how can we know if we trust him? Well, Jesus says this, I tell you the truth. Anyone who believes in me, so if you trust me, this is how you know that you trust me. You will do the same works I have done and even greater works because I'm going to be with the Father. Whoa. Greater works than Jesus. He says, if you trust me, you're going to do greater works than me. And probably you might be sitting there. I, when I read that, you know, just in preparing the message, and I've read it dozens and dozens of times, I, I always read that and I go, really? I'm going to do greater things than, you know, raise people from the dead, heal blind people, cast demons out of people? How is that possible? And the answer is it's not possible in human terms. It's not possible in natural terms. It's only possible supernaturally. And that's what Jesus is saying. If you believe in me, you will receive the supernatural power that I have. And that was, that's going to happen when I die and rise from the dead and go back to heaven and send the Holy Spirit into you when you trust in me. And so how we know that we actually believe in Jesus is we start to live supernaturally. We start to live the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and gentleness, and self-control, rather than letting these emotions and the deeds of the sinful nature conquer us. And it's a process. It doesn't happen in a minute. It doesn't happen in a week. It doesn't happen in a year. In my experience, it doesn't happen in six decades completely. 
I, I trust Jesus today more than I ever have, but there's still a gap between my profession of faith and my actions. But Jesus promises, he promises that if we believe in him, we can do greater things than he can in the power of the Holy Spirit. So the Apostle Paul reminded us about this battle that's raging. We do have the Holy Spirit, but we still have the sinful nature. And that battle is going on, and we're never free from the battle in this life, Paul says. So every single moment of every single day, all we have to do, it's a big all, all we have to do is to submit ourselves to the Holy Spirit's power and we will win. Now, based on that, the next step today, it used to say today's commitment from now on for a while at least, it's going to say the next step. Because we talk a lot about taking our next step as followers of Jesus. The next step is, you know, and we have the next step area. And if you're new here, starting points are your next step. And if you've been here a while, growth tracks your next step. But every week at the end of the message, there's going to be a next step for us to take to live into whatever truth it is that we've been talking about from Scripture. So here's today's next step. I will blank Jesus this week. Anybody know what the blank is? Trust. Yes, thank you. Oh, man, it makes me feel good. If you wouldn't have said trust, I would have gone home and cried. But trust. I will trust Jesus this week. As we trust Jesus more and more, our anxiety diminishes. It's not magic. I want you to understand. Magic doesn't really exist, but magic is trying to do natural things to make you know, different than natural results. But supernatural results, supernatural results come from God. God isn't natural. God is outside the natural. He created the natural. He created the universe. He created us. But he lives and exists beyond that, and he enters into it through Jesus Christ, and he gives us the power to do that supernatural in the power of the Holy Spirit. So as Jesus is the only one who can change us from the inside out, He's the only one who can make sure that our emotions don't get the best of us, but that we get the best of them. Then it's important that we trust him more and more because as we do, we'll have victory over our emotions more and more and more. And it'll start small, but it will get bigger and bigger and bigger. So that's not my opinion. (laughs) That's the promise that Jesus gives us in John 14. It's a scripture that we ought to review anytime. We're feeling anxious. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you that we can trust Jesus because he is your son. Thank you that he demonstrated who he is through so many works. And most of all, through rising from the dead, returning to you and sending the Holy Spirit so we can live victorious lives here and now. God, I pray for anybody in the room watching online who has never trusted him as Savior and Lord, that in this moment they would. And I also pray right now, God, that all of us who have trusted Jesus as Savior and Lord, that you would pour your Holy Spirit in a new and powerful way in each of our lives, that we will trust him in every moment, but particularly when we're feeling anxious. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.